Well, welcome to the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast. Our guest today is bracketologist Jerry Palm. We'll talk to him in just a minute. We're closing in on Selection Sunday, and so there's a whole lot to talk about with one of the great experts in this field uh, this afternoon. And Jerry, first of all, uh, this is probably the most hectic time in your life. Thanks for carving out some time for us. Oh, always glad to do it. You know, the, uh, when, when I look at what you guys have to do and all your sorting millions of different numbers and all of that, uh, I hear about BPI and SOS and the net and Ken Palm. Are, are all those things weighted similarly, one weighted more than the others? Um, you mean with the committee and yeah. how they operate? Yes, sir. Uh, none of those things are weighted very highly at all. Oh, uh, okay. The metrics, are, the, the metrics are not really decisive in any way um if your resume doesn't validate the metric then the metric is wrong um they're they're really looking at at your resume the net is the um is used to define the quadrants on the resume the quality of of your opponents and the and the quality of the games that you played uh but they don't use net rankings to make seeding decisions they don't use ken palm or any of these other rankings to make those decisions, they're not weighed very heavily at all. Well, you just have completely blown my mind. So, because what I hear repeatedly is, well, because of the net, because of the BPI, because of strength of yeah. schedule, and, and you're right. saying that that's not exactly right. No, those are um, very low on the list of things that matter for a team. Um, they exist, and the, the committee doesn't completely just ignore them. Um, but they're not using those things to make decisions, and they don't carry a lot of weight in the selection and seeding process. And I'll just give you an example. I want to say it was 2017, Wichita State's last year in the Missouri Valley, I believe, uh, playing for the conference championship. I had them as like a 10 or an 11 seed in my bracket and was saying they had to win the conference tournament just to get in. In Ken Palm, which everybody, the net didn't exist then. Right. Um, but everybody was talking about Wichita State was, in the top 10 of Ken Palm. In the end, Wichita State won the championship and got in the tournament and probably wouldn't have otherwise, but they were number eight in Ken Palm and a 10 seed in the bracket because the resume didn't match the rankings and the resume is what matters. So um, if, you, if, you, if you're hanging your hat on rankings and especially in a pandemic year where schedules are shorter, especially non-conference schedules are shorter, which are important to the rankings being valid and reliable. Um, if you're counting on rankings to help you this year, you're going to really be disappointed. So, but then the quadrants for the net helps build that resume. Am I correct? Meaning that's, yes, that's some of the defining of it. It is. So um, your better uh, opponents are, are going to, and your better games are going to be, you know, in quadrant one and the net ranking of your opponents is actually more important than your own because you're the net ranking of your opponents defines the quality of these games. But even still, the committee's going to go through all your games. And there might be some wins in quadrant two that they view as better than some wins in quadrant one. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a much more thorough process than looking at your record versus quadrant one teams or, or the number of quadrant one wins you have. It, it's, it's much more thorough than that. You're already wrecking everything that I think. I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually one of the, the biggest myths of the tournament selection process is that the rankings matter. And that's a relatively new myth because 
before it's only have rankings have only been uh, discussed for about three or four years, really, maybe five um, at all. Thus, here in Missouri Valley country, we see Loyola a ten in the net, a nine in Ken yeah. Palm, and then you yep. you call them yep. a ten in your bracket for those reasons, yep. meaning they, they really haven't played a, a great schedule, I don't think, this year. Correct. Uh, and they yep. managed to lose the couple of games outside of conference that were supposed to be resume builders. And so thus, the, you know, when I think, okay, if they're the top 10 team, they've got to be a three seed. You've made them a 10 seed. It's not even close. Yep. You know, so that's what yep. fries my brains all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just that's what's a tough thing. Um, <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Loyola could be seated higher than this. I mean, because, well, for one thing, there's a lot of games to be played. But I don't, I think expecting to see Loyola in the top half of the bracket is probably not going to happen. And the reason for that is, I mean, their best wins are Drake. They beat Drake two out of three. Um, and the two of those games, Drake was shorthanded. Uh, not that, I don't know that that really matters much, but, um, but they, they played Wisconsin, a middle of the bracket team, and lost. They played Richmond, who's not going to the tournament, and lost. Uh, they lost to Indiana State um, in the regular season, uh, and that's definitely not a tournament team. And when you're playing a schedule that's, you know, as heavy in quadrant three and four games as Loyola's schedule is, you know, those those are things that keep you down the bracket. Um, you know, beating Wisconsin changes this team's resume immensely, but it didn't happen. So um, it's uh, it, it's not a bad resume they're they're not like last four in territory not that it would matter because they're an automatic qualifier but you know this is a typical 10 seed kind of resume when we you mentioned the drake bulldogs they have a great numeric record against quad one and quad two teams that said right it's it's uh heavily weighted as you mentioned uh, you know right within the missouri valley right now you have them in their uh, one of the play-in games um right. and, and so Second last team in. yeah so the a team like that though that's going to move up and down based on what other people do the power conference teams do over the next several days am i right that's that's true for loyola as well um, it's just that Loyola doesn't have to sweat making the tournament. Um, Loyola's seed could move up and down as other FC's teams play, and Drake's, you know, prospects of getting in could move up and down. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel for Drake because they got off to such a great start this season, and then the injury bug hits, and it's it's just so hard to overcome it because you, you know, teams like like Drake and in, in in leagues like this don't build up the depth, don't typically have the depth. Uh, that some other teams do, uh, and Drake is, uh, you know, kind of holding it together here at the end of the season. Still, it was able to beat Loyola um, without Hemphill, uh, and then Penn goes out. Um, they lose to Bradley. Uh, the Valparaiso loss came at full strength. That's actually their worst loss, and that, that is the big strike against them at Valparaiso uh, because, you know, it, they can almost half excuse the loss to Bradley. It's not like they'd ignore it. They can't ignore it. It still happened. But, you know, you can kind of understand it. Uh, you might be able to understand, you know, the loss to Loyola in the championship game. But when you lose to Valpo at full strength, it puts everything back in play. You know, yeah. everything is on the table still. Because as, as, if you could have lost to Valpo, you could have just easily lost these other games too at full strength. 
So when you look at uh, the last couple of, maybe the last couple of weeks, Darren DeVries has been telling people, oh, Shaquan Hemphill is going to be ready for the NCAA tournament. Is that something that the committee takes into consideration? Or do they just say, well, here's your resume, you're in or you're out? Uh, in this particular case, it's here's your resume, you're in or you're out. Um, they, uh, you have to earn selection. So stuff like Hemphill being back for the tournament, if Drake actually gets selected, it could impact their seed, but probably not. Um, but it's not going to, imp- you have to earn selection with the, with the resume in front of the committee. They can't take you on the, the concept that maybe somebody comes back and leave out a team that they think might actually be better. Uh, it's just that that wouldn't be fair to that other team. So no, they've got to, Drake's got to earn it based on what's, what they've done over the course of the season. And then if they get a chance to, to maybe address that in seeding, they could, uh, but I don't, you don't usually see that very often uh, where the uh, seeding over, over something like that particular situation is noticeable. We used to hear that the committee would take the last 10 games into account. And, and, and now yeah, I've heard that they, they don't, don't do that anymore. anymore. No, nope. uh, not for over, not for over 15 years. So it's been a long time. The, yep. So yep. I bet the myth that won't go away. <laughs> so when, when you tell me the BPI, SOS, Ken Palm, net, et cetera, it doesn't mean anything. It's your resume. So what can John Q average Harry say, well, what can I look at so that I can be educated other than looking at, you know, Jerry Palm's ratings? Well, not my ratings. Well, I mean, I'm, you're, you're, I you're mean, predicting. You at, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you have to look at the schedules and see who they played. That's what the committee is going to do. They're going to look at schedules and see who you played uh, and how you did and where you played the games. But that's what matters. And all of the numbers sort of help categorize it and simplify it. But they meet for five days for a reason. <laughs> they've got a lot of they got a lot of data to shift through. If it was just a matter of Ken Palm rankings or net rankings, they wouldn't need a committee. So, um, no, that's uh, they discuss a lot of this stuff. They discuss it in great detail. Uh, they go over, you know, the opponents and they know which quadrant they're in, and that's where it helps them categorize things. Uh, but it's not, it's not the end all be all. You know, it's. They're, they're going to look over who did you play and how did you do? You and and where I, did you play these games? You and I have talked before. We had lunch in Nashville one time. Um, and, and the big misconception, the, <laughs> the big, the big misconception by a lot of people is that bracketologist people like yourself have rooting interests. You're pulling for certain things. Explain to people again, you're into predicting what the committee is going to do versus what That's you correct. think they should do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm trying to predict what they're going to do because it doesn't really matter what I think. Um, and of course I have my own rooting interests. I have teams that I like. I have coaches that I like. Go Boilermakers. Um, I have, I have things that, yeah, I have things <laughs> that I would like to see, but those things don't matter in trying to predict what the committee's going to do because they don't ask me and they don't care. So, <laughs> I, so I, 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 I put whatever, whatever my likes and dislikes are, I stick them in a box and stick them under my chair and take them out when I'm watching my team play. But that's, that's about it. Uh, I wanted to ask you. And by the way, if I did have a rooting interest, and if I was really going to, you know, try and do this by what I wanted to happen, I'd have Drake in there because I, I really like that team and like what they did this year, and I really feel for them. But I'm not optimistic. 
Yeah, well, we, we're, we're pulling for him here in Missouri Valley area. Listen, uh, so tell me the logic, uh, and this may, may be off the beaten path a little bit. Tell me the logic. Uh, I think of those, fir- those first four games. I call them play-in games. I think the NCAA calls them yep. something else. Um, first four. First yep. four. Um, to me, those seem to be like the last eight teams that made the tournament. If that's kind of. tr- if that's true, well, that's what I'm more. That's where I'm getting going to. If that's true, why are twelves in that group and they're not all sixteen, seventeens, or seventeen, eight, sixteen, seventeens? Yeah, yeah. So the the first four, there's really two groups of teams in that. It's the last four teams, the low four lowest seeded teams in the entire bracket. So the the four sixteen seed teams that are the the deep, the four lowest teams in the bracket. Okay, and then the four lowest seeded at-large teams and those teams are typically 11s or 12s it's where they would fit in the bracket as it would it's you know would be like an 11 seed but they're an at-large you don't have at-larges in the 13s and 14s and 15s and 16s right gotcha. so so they do those play-in games and then they put them in the bracket where they belong in terms of the seed but they're they're still in play-in games because they're the last four at-large teams in the field so the last four at-large teams and the last four total teams, which are always like one bid conference champions, um, at the very bottom of the bracket. And you mentioned right now you have Drake in one of those games, and that could change, and it could go south on them for for real. Uh, a team outside the bracket right now is here in St. Louis, the the St. Louis University Billikens, who started off unbelievably, had then a bad COVID stretch, and now have struggled a little bit near the end of the year. Their prospects of getting into the NCAA tournament. Not so great. Um, really about the same as Drake, uh, the, but in different ways. I, and, and that's another team I feel really bad for because they were the preseason favorite in the A-10. They've got a pretty good team. Yep. And then they get a five-week break in the middle of the season, lost so many opportunities to show what they could do, come back from that break, lose to Dayton and LaSalle. Then they lose to Dayton again later. And they just didn't have a chance to make up for that. So they have a home win over... St. Bonaventure, uh, I think that's a home-and-home home split. Uh, they beat LSU at home. That's a tournament team. Uh, they beat NC State at home. That's not a tournament team, uh, but not that far off. So, but, that, uh, but they played very poorly away from home, and the tournament's not played at home. And that's, you know, for teams that are really on the cut line like St. Louis is, you know, the inability to, to perform well away from home uh, is, can be a deal-breaker. And I think it is, in this case, for St. Louis. And, and you know, in their defense, they, they may have lost some of those opportunities to play uh, games away from home where they could have shown that uh, during their COVID break because their schedule is relatively home heavy. Yeah, they played a ton of games at home early and then had the COVID delay. Um, there are other famous, you know, people of, of, of reputation that do what you do in terms of the bracketology things. And, and your numbers obviously don't turn out the same, meaning your brackets don't look exactly the same. Is it because your methodology right. is different? Is it because they weight things differently than you? How, how would you expert guys vary in terms of your approach? Well, I have no idea what other people do. It's hard enough for me to keep track of my own stuff. <laughs> um, you know, that's, uh, but, you know, I, what I consider my job is trying to predict what a 10 person committee will do as they go through a process that is a subjective process guided by objective data. So we talk about all of this data, 
but the process is still subjective and it's subjective in the sense that the committees watch the committee members watch all these teams play and they have a ton of information about them uh each committee member is going to view pieces of these data differently some might really like strength of schedule better than other pieces of the data some might really like your road record better than other pieces of the data so that's a subjective part of the process um and there's just no way it's not like some algorithm we all share where we're trying to generate a bracket we're all approaching this with our own subjective interpretations of how the committee is going to view this data so that's why they're they're different it's just so fascinating to me, and, and, and all of us out here in basketball land, we just hang on every one of your words, every one of your fresh <laughs> new brackets, every one of, you know, just every day. It's like, well, wait, my team went up, my team went down, and it, you, you guys cause emotions all over the country. Uh, I do have a weird question to ask you. Okay, after Sunday, the selection committee makes their deal. Are you one of the 400 million people that fills out a bracket? Oh, absolutely. More than one. <laughs> okay. I wanted to yeah. make sure you were oh, like yeah. the rest of us. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of the sport. And, I, and, know, it, and how good are you at I, those brackets? Uh, some years are better than others. Um, I, I'm victimized by upsets just like other people are at times, but I've had some pretty good years too. Uh, I generally, I, I think I do a pretty good job of picking the upsets, but I think that's going to be harder this year. No doubt. To pick the upsets because we haven't seen some of the teams that that could pull off these upsets play in, in those kinds of games like we might in a normal regular season. So I think it'll be a little bit harder to identify those teams this year. But, uh, um, well, you know, for instance, like I don't have much faith that Loyola is going to get a seed uh, much better than a, you know, a 10 or a 9, which not would not be good for them. 9 would not be good. Uh, but a 10, you know, that's something maybe they could do something with. And I could see Loyola winning a game or two. Uh, from that spot in the bracket because it's a veteran team and they've got a quality big, uh, which a lot of teams like Loyola don't have. Um, as long as they don't run into a big 10 team, uh, cause the big 10 is loaded with quality bigs, um, that could neutralize, uh, Crutwig in particular. Uh, I think that, uh, Loyola, they get a good draw to, to make the second weekend again. So as a, as a mid-major guy, as a guy connected to the Missouri Valley, when I look back at Loyola's run in 2018, and uh, and they had a little better seed that year than than what you're talking about this year. They were an eleven. Oh, they were they eleven. Were 11 and, and so yeah. people were saying, well, they weren't. They're not going to get in unless they win the tournament. They win the tournament and go to the Sweet Sixteen. So guys like me sit back and say, see, you silly bracketologists, they were better than you thought. No, they were better. They were better in the tournament. They weren't better in the regular season. Your seed's based on the regular season, not the tournament. But see, that's why I, I posed it that way because we all want to puff our chest out and say, "See, we told you all along." The uh, yeah, but it, but they but they were never going to be a one seed, right? Right, right. Of course not. Okay. Well, yeah. so. no, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. My point is that we we then reflexively, you know, try to to throw things back. Um, yeah. So some of the blue bloods obviously have struggled this year. Michigan State's find, fighting their way back into the bracket. Uh, but other than winning their conference tournament, is there any way that Duke and Kentucky end up in the tournament? No. No, they're going to have to. Uh, Duke had something of a chance until uh, they'd won four in a row, and then they lost to Louisville, and I think twice more uh, before uh, going into the ACC tournament. So um, they, they had done enough damage to their resume. They were a 500 team at that point. They, they beat Boston College since then. 
but yeah, they, they need to win five in a row if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And Kentucky's been done for months, almost since the season started. It's, uh, it's amazing how, how bad this Kentucky team has been. It's, it is shocking. And so the guys like me, conspiracy theorists out here, we all say, yeah, they're going to figure out some way to let those teams in. Uh, but Michigan... No, well, let me give you an example of that, too. Okay, good. So I want to say 2013, maybe, um, thereabouts, Kentucky was the overall number one seed in the NIT. <laughs> okay, the overall number one team, that, which means that they were the first team out of the NCAA tournament. Right. Because that's how that's been decided now for a few years. So the committee left out Kentucky as their number one team out. They're not looking, they don't need Kentucky in the first four getting beat and going home. <laughs> the NCAA does not need Kentucky and Duke. Duke and Kentucky need the NCAA. Yeah, well, and so Michigan State, how high can they climb? I, I'm I'm pretty excited about just the way they have played here down the stretch. Yeah, I think I've got them in an eight nine game right now. Uh, I mean, they went from not even on my bubble to beating Ohio State first, I think, and then on the bubble, and then Illinois, and in the bracket, and then Michigan, and now uh, they're almost not on the bubble again. It's I mean, if they lose to Maryland, they're probably still going to make the tournament. I guess there could be a circumstance where they don't. Maryland actually needs the game more now, which is what's weird about this. Um, they, uh, Tom Mizzo has his team ready, uh, like he always does this time of year. Uh, they had to, to do some extremely good things to get to this position. It didn't seem likely, and they pulled it off. So, you know, Michigan State's probably dangerous again. Um, but, they're yeah, they're going to make the tournament. Um, the, the Big Ten team that's in the most trouble right now is Maryland. You have them as an 11 seed playing Missouri right now, as a matter of fact. Um, per yeah. your, your Boilermakers, you have seeded as a four. Tell us a little bit about Matt Painter's team. Yeah, they're a year ahead of schedule. Uh, there are no seniors on this team. They depend heavily on uh, Travion Williams. They're all Big Ten center uh, and four freshmen. Um, Jaden Ivey is the freshman to watch for Purdue. That, that guy is going to play at the next level. Uh, and has really come into his own in the last month of this season. Uh, still doesn't entirely know what he's doing, um, but because yeah, he's a freshman. Um, but he's got he's a great talent and has made a lot of big plays for Purdue and has become their most consistent scorer down the stretch of this season. Uh, but they defend well. They shoot well from the outside. Uh, Travion Williams, like I said, a quality big at 6'10". And then when he has to go out, they bring in a seven foot four freshman from Canada who played hockey and baseball and is only in his third or fourth year of basketball and has come a long way this season and has scored 20 with the freshman of the week in the big 10. He had two games with 20 points coming off the bench and playing less than half the game. So um, they, they've got a lot of weapons. They're playing very well, both defensively and offensively. Uh, but you know, they're a very young team. I mean, this, this team's a year away still from what they can really do. And the big 10 is, seems to be dominating the conversation these days, two or three teams, two for sure. Well, maybe not for sure, but two appear to be number one seeds. Uh, they are seem to be far and away the best conference in America. Well, it's top to bottom. Yes. I mean, the big 12 has had a very strong year as well. They're going to put seven teams in the tournament and they all be in the top half of the bracket. Uh, but there's a, a tremendous gap between number seven and number eight in that league, uh, whereas the Big Ten has got quality depth, top, middle, and bottom. Uh, but it's uh, it's been a great year for the Big Ten. Uh, I've got four teams in the top eight uh, on my bracket, and 
any of them could be number one seeds. Two of them probably will be. Uh, Purdue's not far behind. You don't have to go too far further to see Wisconsin and Rutgers and Michigan State. It's just been a really strong league this season uh, for the Big Ten. And uh, we'll see if they can pull it off in the tournament because Gonzaga and Baylor look awfully good. And the the Big Ten could still be uh, left wanting at the end. But um, it's been a great regular season, uh, as weird of a regular season as it's been. Before we let we go, before I let you go, I started the podcast by saying this is probably the busiest time. Probably your busiest time is once the tournament starts. You're on CBS and CBS Sports Network constantly. What will it be like for you the next couple of weeks? Actually, um, that's a good question. That's still <laughs> up in the air uh, because of COVID protocols right. and things like that. Not only with the NCAA, but within our own company, um, we may not be staffing the tournament as much as we usually do. So I don't know if or what I'm doing at the tournament, but it won't be my usual schedule at, at best. Um, and it might be that I'm scalping tickets like everybody else and trying to get in. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the credentials are by invitation only, and then there's all the different you know protocols. It is really going to be a different yeah. and well, bizarre right holder, so sure. Yeah, we're the rights holder, so we have a little bit more pull than, than others might. But, uh, but even still, I mean... Um, our own company's COVID protocols are pretty strict. So you know, what we're able to do uh, are, it, it, it's probably going to be limited compared to what we can normally do. It will be a bizarre tournament because of, as you mentioned, there's been so little non-conference action, a way to actually pay attention to who is really good. I mean, you you can figure it out, you can see it. And yet uh, there's been such limited data. It, it, it will be a, a yeah. very unique tournament. It is. And, and Loyola actually got a couple of decent games, you know, in Wisconsin and Richmond. And I think North Texas out of conference USA finished third. So that's not a terrible team. Uh, but Drake, you know, couldn't really get much non-conference action uh, this year in any kind of a way to show themselves, which is unfortunate because that might have been useful to them. Uh, at this point of their season. Well, yeah, they opened the season with Kansas State, beat them, and they think, okay, that's a great win. Yeah. And then Kansas State was and terrible. And Hayes State beat Kansas State as well. And it's <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe not so much. Yeah, you know? That's exactly right. Well, listen, Jerry, I don't want to take all your time. I really appreciate you carving out some for us, uh, trying to help educate us poor people here in the middle Midwest and, and trying to understand all of this stuff as we root for our teams. Appreciate your time and uh, stay safe in however you end up getting to cover the tournament this year. All right, thank you. That's Jerry Palm. We appreciate his time. You've been listening to the Valley Hoops Insider podcast, part of valleyhoopsinsider.com. Remember, since you've been there, make it a better place. We'll talk to you again real soon.